0: The next big thing. Got the next big song, like big sing. Big for a big Oh, everybody in the next big thing, everybody the next big thing.
1: Hello, my name's Nick Reinberger, and welcome to day four of Five Days in Nashville. Today, we're going behind the scenes to the people who don't get up on stage much, but do all the work to make sure you sound great and that people come to your gigs and buy your albums, or at least stream them. This is 2019, after all. Let's put them in order of Nashville years. First off, there's Mark Moffat, who's been in town for 23 years. He's a producer, guitarist and engineer... And most Australian musicians who land in Nashville head straight to the APRA AMCOS offices, where Mark is their man in town.
2: We have a permanent office space. There are two writing rooms here. There are hot desk spaces that members are welcome to use. There's a conference room, and as we walk around,
1: you'll see the performance space. Tell me how you help someone lobbying up in Nashville for the first time. The primary one is that APRA members
2: can designate their US collection to one of the three US agencies, BMI, ASCAP or CSAC. And I can certainly help members get meetings there and also decide which one would be best for them.
1: So this is the royalties from any sales of the music they create, is that right?
2: Yeah. Plus just stop people getting ripped off because the town's full of people who tell you they love
1: what you do and take your money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, it is. Nashville is the songwriting mm-hmm. capital of the world at the moment and it's way beyond country. Mm-hmm. What have you seen change in your time here? Well, it is, it's
2: always been a songwriting city. I think the most important change, it's become a resource centre. It's a city that's within 500 miles of 65% of the population centres, which is why the touring industry is based here. The thing that I've seen grow more than anything is what I call van and trailer bands, which is young indie bands from all over the US moving here. They buy a 15-seater van used and a little white trailer, rent a house together. They're in this amazing creative community, and they can hub out. It's self-booking, gig swapping. And if that suits anyone, it suits Australian bands. The change in the gatekeeping system was always the country music industry. and about 2010, when Jack White... The Black Keys had moved here, Jack White had moved here Robert Plant and Alison Krauss did that record it was the Nashville non-country cleaned up the Grammys that, that year a lot of people
1: started to go, wow, maybe it's not all yeehaw You, know? you seem to have kind of parallel lives one as this kind of mentor working for opera AMCOS but you've got another life still as a producer and co-writer, haven't you? Tell me about that part
2: um, well uh, yeah, primarily producer and musician, certainly write with people when the opportunity arises on projects. I've been really trying to encourage Australian music heroes who came up through the 60s when there's no opportunity to get here. And there are people of their age having marvellous careers here like John Hyatt, Emmylou Harris, John Prine, just pointing that, that out to people and, and getting to make records for people like Brian Cadd and Richard Clapton that's been something that I've focused on. So that's the parallel
1: universe right now. I think we're seeing that probably best expressed in, say, the late career of Russell Morris, mm-hmm. who's gone in that blues
2: direction. Yeah. well, he's a good example. I think the thing that he came over and played, he was accepted to do a showcase at Americana Fest a couple of years ago. I've worked long and hard with that organisation. This is the Americana
1: Association. Americana Music Association. Yeah. I find it fascinating that Russell fits into a category called Americana. How do you define that? What is it as distinct from country? Well, it's not a cultural invasion to start with. The
2: definition would be contemporary music that draws upon any form of American music, left
1: to right. So blues, country, bluegrass... Folk. Folk. All of that. Yes. Which all had its epicentre here, yeah. really. It's the 20th anniversary of the organisation.
2: I'm the board president this year for the third time, which is weird because I talk like this. But it started out as old country when Amy Lou was or, uh, using her figuratively, but artists of that um, era were getting older and country radio was getting more pop mm. as a chart. And then Robert Plant came along and embraced it. Levon Helm especially... Uh, was a great champion, and once he got involved, I think that drew a lot of attention. People like Thibaut and Burnett, certainly who are you know flagship artists and producers in the American culture, and I think it drew a lot of attention to it. But it's really more of a home than a genre. That's why it's so diverse, and it stands apart from commercial country because that's pretty much about hit singles. And the Americana... Umbrella is more about building people's careers.
3: Every time I go and turn my back, everybody tries to take a stand. They wait some when they're wasting time with them to talk the trash.
1: It's alright, it's alright, I don't mind. Now let's meet Rick Caballo. That's a bit of his music but he doesn't really do the rock and roll star thing anymore. Since coming to town, he's built up a different business called Dead Horse Branding, which looks after that most important aspect of an artist's career, their brand.
3: It's been years of, uh, you know, networking, working and, and, you know, meeting people and to a point where we are working from our home and then we moved into a bigger office and then a bigger office now we're in this sort of bunker set up and uh, we love it, we love it.
1: Now you were a musician for a while there and you've
3: ended up in the branding business. Tell me about that transition. It's a tough one because I came here with the rock star mentality. I'm coming over here to be a rock star and before doing the music I was doing merchandise for the Screaming Jets, John Butler Trio, big bands like that and it was always art that got me into the door with music. Same as, you know, I'd be backstage at Keith Urban concert and then Michael Chugg would come straight up to me and shake my hand because he thought I was someone. But really, I got in through the back door <laughs> via my artwork. Right. So it's always been a back door for my artistry into the music business. And um, I came over here wanting to be, do the music thing. And as I hit the road and met the right people, networking, being downtown and, and buttoned my head up against the wall, doing things the wrong way, now that i know the right way i got a little jaded and that's why i don't do so much these days because i know the formula and it's it's a it's a business and when the business gets a hold of you that's when it rears its ugly head
1: what do you mean you did things the wrong way what have you learnt about the way to go about making a career
3: well i mean you, you look at you pick any country artist out there keith urban he's an australian he's put a good 20 years in before he even busted through the door and if you're going up against Carrie Underwood that she's got a machine behind her 20 million dollars whatever it is mm. and these days it's 2 3 million dollars to break an artist so the young up and comers that are coming through it's not necessarily how good you are it's like who's already in line how do you get to the front of that line and how much money have you got so imagine you're a young australian
1: country singer songwriter a young john Prine or something like that what advice would you give to someone like that?
3: Okay, so if you come over, you've got to be careful because one, you can chew up money first and, and know that there, there's already people lining up in that line. So they say it's a 10-year town. You've got to get the back of that line and you've got to meet people like us or other people that can, you know, fast-track you up the front of the line. Because at the end of the day, there's people already in publishing labels that companies have invested in these people to write songs and those people have the connections to get to the Tim McGraws and the record labels that they trust. Mm. So, so a record label would go to a publishing house and say, hey, have you got a new song for Tim McGraw or Taylor Swift or whatever? And they say, sure, here's a song, here's a song, and it, and it goes like that. The best advice I can give is get in with the people that already have the deals. So if they've got a publishing deal write a song with them, you're going to get 50% of that deal because they're, they've got the ins. So if you've got no connection to Nashville at all, go write with the guy that wrote the hits for that Keith goes, Urban. So how do you do that? you got to meet him at the right cafe and hang out at the right yeah. writer's nights and that sort of thing. And and again, I say this all the time, it's about relationships. Yeah. Just meet those people, get to know them. And we've got great friends that are in the business and you know we get to hang out with Stephen Tyler and people like that because we're so close in that circle. And you get to reasons. hang out with Stephen Tyler? He's oh, moved to Nashville, hasn't he? No, he's gone now. He's, he's, oh, he's moved man. out of here again. But but yeah, he's, he's just cool. And we're, we're all in the networks and when parties are happening. We're there and we're playing music and playing guitar. And To me, that's more gratifying than yeah. than actually being on the road in the middle of nowhere, getting paid nothing. I can be at a party playing guitar in front of Stephen Tyler and the whole gang. And that, to me, is cool.
1: This is Five Days in Nashville. I'm Nick Reinberger. Our final person behind the scenes has only been in town a couple of years. Nash Chambers is the son of Bill Chambers and the brother of Casey, and built up a fine reputation as a producer, engineer, and mixer in Australia. But some people like to test themselves against the best in the world. That's Nash.
0: Hi, mate. Oh, Hello, are Nick. G'day. How are you going? i <laughs> good. Wow, what a place. Uh, welcome to my world. My name's Nash Chambers and this is uh, my studio, Choubadour House, and uh, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. Tell me about the decision to make the move over here when you were already pretty successful as a producer back in Australia. Well, I guess I'm like most creatives. You know, you always want to keep learning and keep exploring. And um, in Roots Music, you know, we've had amazing opportunities in Australia, but... In recent years, uh, obviously, the the whole world has become a lot more connected and it's a lot easier to get around and communicate. And I also think as far as a financial future for Australians and particularly Australian artists, you need to have at least some sort of global part of your career because it's... it's, I mean, we've been very fortunate, obviously, largely with Casey's uh, success, but it's, overall it's pretty hard to survive doing roots music in Australia and certainly once you get to stages with families and mortgages and things like that. So part of it was I want to expand creatively and also business-wise too. I feel like Nashville, it's always been known as Music City, but I think now it really is the Music City of the world because there are so many different genres it's so central as far as location. And one of the, for, certainly for me, one of the most uh, amazing things about it is just getting up every morning and working and hanging out with like minded people people that you relate to, that you can write with, that you can work with, or, uh, play with, record with. And it depends what you're doing. From my world, largely in management and production and recording it's great because I need to be at a, a location where there is a lot of opportunities, um, whereas an artist can live somewhere else and still travel and most of the time when touring, they travel anyway. So it depends what you're doing, but as far as resources and a central location of music, there really is nowhere else like it on the planet. Now tell me about Making the Move. You've not only brought over some serious equipment with you, you've got a family, and you've got little kids... Tell me about making that decision, we wanted to move somewhere and something a bit fresh a new start, and obviously for different things for the kids at the age they were heading into was it Newcastle or was it Nashville you know <laughs> or were... <laughs> seriously yeah, were they all- uh, well, they were two of the ones we looked at uh, we didn 't choose Newcastle but uh, <laughs> so well, it was either we, we sort of look at expanding into other business areas or we come to Nashville and you know, it, it, unfortunately, we're all dead a very long time. So yeah, yeah. it was, if we're going to do it, now's the time to do it. Who are your customers? Who's coming to Nash Jamers in Nashville? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I've been working uh, as an artist, Jamie McDell from New Zealand. She uh, was signed to EMI when she was young and, and had a couple of hits, in more in the pop world. But the last couple of years, we've been uh, working together we did a previous record extraordinary girl and um we've got a new single coming out soon so she's fantastic and she lives in toronto now a new zealander living in toronto coming to nashville to work with an australian for some reason that
1: all makes sense in 2019 doesn't it it does on 5 Days in Nashville, you'll meet the two most successful Australians on Music Row and you'll find out how songwriters actually get paid. I'm Nick Reinberger. Chat to you later. Oh, everybody
0: thinks, say the next big thing, everybody